Blog Talk Radio. This is Colin from Cannot Justify. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swing. Well, if you are hearing that sound, you know what that means. It is 89.1 Attitude Era Monday Live, Monday time. Another weekly edition of our episodic radio program. I am your host, of course, the Icon, and I do believe we have the modern Nightmare Matthias with us. Yep, I am here for another great show on 89.1, Ken's FM. And I understand you might be having to take off to help our boss uh, with a little uh, task. Did he mention that to you? Uh, no, I was not informed of the situation. All right, well, we'll, we'll discuss that in a little while. But anyway, we're going to have a great show tonight. We have... Uh, we have a lot of uh, interesting guests tonight. Uh, our first guest on the shoot will be uh, Sue uh, Tabrzynski. Should you tell us about what it's like hanging out with uh, Johnny Castle? Uh, you probably know who I'm referring to. And uh, she's also hung out with Jack Dalton. Uh, both guys, uh, one man played both guys. So uh, that's a little teaser. Uh, we're also going to have one of the first Chippendale dancers ever in history. Uh, speaking of dirty dancing, we have Bruce uh, Nahin, and uh, also uh, we will have Joel Weinenkopp. Uh Now, you're going to love uh, this guest, Matthias, because he has starred in a lot of the great B-minus, almost B-regular horror films. Okay. So we'll have some fun with him, and we're going to have a guest, uh, a special guest guest, and uh, that'll be towards the end of the show. We're going to have uh, a friend of mine uh, who's going to be performing here in Fargo uh, this weekend, uh, David Harris. He's a actor-slash-comedian-slash-magician, and uh, we're going to talk to him at the end of the show. So we're going to have some fun. So what's going on with you, Nightmare? Uh, not much other than wrestling and uh, re- rehabilitating the knee. Really much nothing new really to talk about. Same same stuff, different day pretty much. Well, you know, I uh, I do have a, uh, as you know, I have a full plate. You know, I'm working like 15 million jobs nowadays trying to pay for a mortgage and pay for a lifestyle that I want to live, which is basically having a house, a wife, and a family, and yeah. that takes some money, believe oh, yeah. it or not. And uh, I'm getting there. So I'm not complaining. I, I love what I do. I love being here every Monday night. I love doing my uh, one job as a fraud liaison. And I also love doing my other job working in a burger joint. So, you know, things are look, things are good for me right now. But we do have some sad news, though, Matthias. Okay. It does. It sounds like Granny Hulkster may be returning from our show. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I haven't talked to her about it, but it sounds like, uh, from the text I got this last weekend, she may have to step down as co-host for a long while. Okay. So, do you think you and I can board the ship? I mean, I'll I'll try my hardest. Uh, I'm not sure with what my future holds here, um, with bookings or with physical therapy and stuff like that. I'm I'm trying to keep it where it's in the afternoons. 
uh, but I've had to do a late night session. I may have to just call in, but I'll but I'll try my best to to keep the ship floating and not let it be the Titanic. Right, and you know we've been ha- we've been having fun doing this show for the last two years, entertaining everybody. We don't want to quit. No. And with that being said, that I have guests booked from now until the end of next year. What would that be like if I? Well, anyway, we're not even going to talk about because we're not even going. Go, the icon is not going anywhere. So I will be here. I just hope I don't have to be by myself. Yeah. Because you know we we've uh, built a great rapport here. Not everybody knows. I, I I know what you're thinking sometimes, but no one can ever read my one track mind. <laughs> nah. But it is what it is, and hopefully. If uh, you're unable to uh, join us, hopefully uh, Big Swing uh, will be able to fill in when you're not. I was supposed to have a guest co-host also here this evening, and I don't know if he got lost or whatever, but I'll try and catch up with him, and if not, we'll have him next week. And as you know, two weeks from today, we will not be on the air uh, for Labor Day because I will be in the cities uh, cheering on my favorite college football team, the North Dakota State University Bison, at U.S. Bank Stadium against Eastern Washington. Awesome. Of course, it would, be not, <laughs> it would not, not be the first time I've ever seen those two teams play on the road. Last time I saw them play was on a bad-looking red field, and it snowed that day. And did you know what happens on a red field when it snows? No. It turns pink. Oh, wow. Yeah, it makes you think that you're on a pink field. It's terrible. Okay. And as a matter of fact, that happened in 2000 and I believe it was 2009, I do believe, where we went all the way to the, the – we got all the way to the playoffs, and that was the game where we had scored and went ahead, and then they drove the length of the field with, I don't know what it was, like a minute, something left, and then they scored – and then we went into overtime, and then we got screwed in overtime by the non-fumble fumble that they called on Brock Jensen. Oh, okay. And I will never forget that game as long as I live. And look what happened after that. We rattled off ten national championships after that. So no complaints. No, absolutely not. With that being said, we're just waiting for our first guest to call in. And we are going to have some fun here tonight. Uh, now, I don't know how uh, up you are on your Dirty Dancing movie knowledge, but how uh, how schooled are you in that? I'd have to say not as much as the uh, as the average Joe. I would have to say. How many times have you seen it? Once, maybe twice. And was that by choice, or was it just because it was the only thing on TV? Well, I mean, I was young, and, you know, I guess I I watched it. I can't even remember much of it. It was at a young age where I was more wanting to watch wrestling, but I had to watch it was on TV at the time. So I guess, uh, yeah, like you said, I have have no particular knowledge as to Dirty Dancing and such. Well, I am not ashamed to admit this. I have seen the movie 75 times. Oh, wow. And... I can actually probably quote most of the stuff. I can tell you what happens in each scene before it comes up. Okay. Wow. It, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that makes me a Patrick Swayze mark or a, uh, a I don't know a teeny bop mark. I don't know. But I mean, it, when it came out, it was fairly big. I'll never forget the summer that it came out. It was a very big 
movie. Mm-hmm. And you know, all the teenage girls were going crazy over it. I wasn't. I was. I was a. Uh, I was a little guy. I wasn't a teenager yet, but I can. And I didn't quite get it at the time. But after, as I grew up and we get older, you kind of start to understand stuff on why things are popular. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like how you know that rest, we we can look at wrestling, for instance. Remember, it was popular in the early '80s, and then it, then it kind of died off a little bit. And then in the mid '90s, it picked up by storm with the Monday Night Wars, and then kind of died down a little bit. And then WCW went out of business, and I don't know if it really has recovered. I'm hoping that AEW will do what WCW did to WWE and force them to change their product and be a better product. Well, I guess time will tell, but AEW is doing a lot of good stuff. Well, uh, one second here. I had to take a sip of water. I had to take a sip of water. My throat was a little dry. Um, When you were comparing AEW to WWE, the one thing that AEW does have on, on the E is what we call it in the industry. Honestly, they have, they have great characters. They have great uh, character development. They've got, there's a lot of things that they do differently than WWE that WWE does a little bit better. Um, but AEW does have the current stars that have been rising like crazy. And they've got some older people, like they've got Sting and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I really don't watch much of AEW or WWE anymore only because I'm just so, like, on it, and I'll, and I'll, I'll say this, I'm a mark for myself. I, I like to watch, because I, I could sit here and I could watch Becky Lynch take on Trish Stratus again and again, or I could sit there and I could watch MJF and Adam Cole do their little spiel week after week and stuff like that, and that's great. But I need to watch stuff to make myself look better, and if I want to watch a segment every once in a while, that'll help me improve my product. But right now, I'm already compared to MJF. I mean, last weekend, I shoved a kid back in his seat, and I almost got stabbed with some scissors. So I already know I'm doing my job. I already know I'm getting the reactions I need when I enter that ring. No one likes me, and I don't care if they like me or they love me. I don't care. I'm there to win my match, go to the back, get paid, and go. And I won my Fatal 4-Way match last weekend. And a couple of kids, or actually a group of kids, decided to surround me uh, disrespectfully. But I knew that I was getting in their heads, and that was the whole point, because now I got booked again for Sydney, Montana, October 7th. And when that goes down, if those kids uh, decide to put their hands on me again, well, you know, I guess that the parents aren't around, you know, one little thump to the head might reset their attitude. Well, we'll talk about that as we go on, but it looks like our first guest is Waiting Wigs. We're going to take a quick little timeout. We'll be back after these messages, so stick with us. We'll be right back. The new Wood Spring Suites of Fargo, located at 1090 35th Street North at the I-29 and 12th Avenue North Interchange, is an extended stay, pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. Woodspring Streets of Fargo, rated 4.2 by TrustScore. Ladies and gentlemen, Dirty Dancing out of the green room right now. 
She's the coolest author right now that can tell you all about Johnny Castle. She can probably tell you about Jack Dalton. She can tell you everything about the characters that Patrick Swayze has played and more. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you an awesome author. She is Sue Tabazinski. Well, hey, this is Sue Tabashnerik. Um, you're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live Monday on 89.1. Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, the modern nightmare, Martha is, and the big swing. How are you, Sue? Good to have you with us. Thanks for taking time on your schedule to join us. Well, I really appreciate you having me. That's great. And it's kind of fitting that we have you on the show because I do believe that uh, Mr. Swayze is uh, celebrating a birthday coming up. Well, actually, you know what? It was Friday, um, the 18th, and he would have been 71 years old, and you should have seen Facebook. Facebook went crazy for Swayze. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, we, uh, we, we, sh- we sure do miss uh, Patrick Swayze this day, and uh, I remember I was very, very saddened and very disappointed when I heard that he passed. I, I was even more devastated when I found out that he had cancer. I thought he was going to beat it because of yeah. his strong will. However, you mm-hmm. know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's sad that we lost Patrick Swayze. I wish he was still with us today. But we're going to talk a little bit about Mr. Swayze, and we're going to uh, relive his memory here through you. Now, if I'm not mistaken, oh, you. You've, uh, you have made, you've wrote a few books about Mr. Swayze. Yes, um, I've written four books all together. The first two were about his movie, uh, Dirty Dancing. Of course, there's a lot about Patrick in both of those books. Uh, the third book was Patrick Swayze, The Dreamer, kind of a biography with the theme of he was a dreamer. And then my last book was about Patrick's mom, Patsy Swayze, who was a renowned choreographer and, of course, Patrick's first dance teacher. And so that book had a lot about Patrick as well. Well, uh, we have uh, Sue as our guest here. We have about 26 minutes here with our guest. I'm going to ask you a few questions, then we'll do a roundtable, then we'll go to Matthias, and we'll come back to me. I was kind of curious, how did you first uh, hook up with uh, Patrick Swayze? (laughs) Well, it was all because of the movie Dirty Dancing. You know, it came out in 1987, and the movie really resonated with me. And I really, I just thought, Patrick, wow, he's so sizzling, he's so talented. Then I saw the Barbara Walters interview, which was like a year later in 88, and it made me realize, wow, Patrick was not only a great actor and dancer, but he was a genuine person and a good guy, a great character, down to earth. Um, Then, I know this may sound corny, but I joined his official international fan club, Made a lot of friends, still have friends to this day. Watched all his movies and the interviews. He did a lot of press. Um, I just became a super fan. And, you know, I think he played a lot of hero roles on screen. and But he also became my hero off the screen. And especially during his, you know, courageous battle with pancreatic cancer. So that's sort of a summary of how it all came about. <laughs> Now, when you when you uh, when you were hanging out with Patrick, uh, how many times did uh, you guys get to reenact scenes from Dirty Dancing together? 
Okay. Like, so did, he, did, he, did, he, did, he, did he hoist you up like he did uh, Jennifer Grey at the end of the movie no. there? And then, uh, no, okay. I wish. I wish. But I, you know, Jennifer Grey was very talented, is very talented. She's very talented in that movie. But I met Patrick four times in person because he came to Detroit. I lived just outside of Detroit um, to promote com- Complexions Contemporary Ballet. He and his wife were on the board of directors. And it's a really cool company, and they even do outreach with inner-city kids, not Patrick or anything, but the company. And they did do that in Detroit. Um, and then he came, actually came to Detroit twice, and then I was at his movie premiere in Houston, 2003. And um, his movie, One Last Dance, uh, was really he and his wife's movie, and the theme was Never Too Late to Realize Your Dreams. And I did get a chance to talk to Patrick a little bit one-on-one, and I met not only him, but his wife, his mom, his mother-in-law, et cetera. I had fans from all over the place come, you know, from like Europe, Canada, U.S. Um, great story was um, his mom, Patsy, came on our tour bus. You know, the fans were going to take a tour of Houston see points of interest to Patrick, you know, like where he went to school, where his mom's dance school was, where he got married, where his church was, stuff like that. So his mom comes on the bus, which we did not expect at all. She's like, Patrick's going to come on the bus in a minute. All he asks is, please don't take any more photos, because the night before the premiere, you know, his eyes are still sensitive. So we're like, what? Coming on our bus. So he came on the bus, and he and his mom stayed on there for about an hour and we could, you know, ask whatever we wanted. I mean, it was just so cool. How many people, how many of these stars would do it? I'm not sure. You know, if I had to rank my my top five uh, roles of Patrick Swayze, it would have to be uh, Dirty Dancing would be one. Uh, let's see, Red Dawn would be two. Roadhouse okay. would be three. Mm-hmm. Um Let's see. I'm trying to remember the. Uh, uh, it, it'll come to me, and then probably uh, number five would have to be Black Dog. I loved him in Black okay. Dog with him and uh, him and uh, Randy Travis in Meatloaf. That yeah, was probably that was cool. As a matter of fact, uh, well, you know, not that anybody cares, but uh, the one song that Randy Travis played in that movie, I actually sang to my wife during our wedding. Uh, my greatest oh, fear. Oh wow. That's amazing. I love and that. Everybody, what about Point Break? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's number four, <laughs> Point Break. Thank you. I couldn't I think of it. Movie. You're welcome. You know, I love that movie. You know, the sad thing about that movie is everybody dies at the end, except for except for Keanu Reeves. That's the only sad thing yeah. about the movie. You know? <laughs> uh, we have uh, Sue. Uh, uh, pronounce your last name for me again. I don't want to mispronounce it. It's okay, Tabashnik. Tabashnik. We have Sue Tabashnik as a guest here on 89.1 Kansas FM. We've got 21 minutes. Now, I want to introduce you to my co-host, Matthias. Uh, now, he uh, what, he's a wrestler, and when he's in the ring, he, he thinks of himself like like he's Jack Dalton from uh, Roadhouse. And, he <laughs> you know, he likes to do a lot of that stuff. So, with, uh, Nightmare, what do you got? Go ahead. 
Well, yes, you're talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one <laughs> heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed NSC World Tag Team Champion and soon-to-be APW World Heavyweight Champion, BZW World Tag Team Champion, and Flashback Pro Wrestling Call World Heavyweight Champion. An honorary member of the New World Order, Matthias, welcome on to my part of the program. Um, my main question to you would be, because there's one, there's one that I really could think of, and then I can't really think of anything else right now. Um, as Icon said, you are an author, and you've written many books. What is one of your most difficult things you've had to, uh, what was one of your more difficult processes while writing these books? Was it coming up with the stuff to write about, or was it coming up with the ideas, or... Was it just finally putting the the pad and the pen to paper and stuff like that and uh, finally get it written? Well, she hasn't wrote the book about me yet, so she can't answer that. No, <laughs> I love it. Um, you know what? Uh, two things come to mind. Um, you know, when you write about real people, you know, Patrick's mom, the people who are in Dirty Dancing, you have to be a little careful, you know, like um, – so I always get the advice of an attorney, even though I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. You just want to be super careful, you know. And That's the right. other thing is I've done so many interviews, especially in my last book has 29 interviews, and they were all tape recorded. And uh, I basically did everything myself on these books, except I hired contractors like that editor, the book designer and the attorney, and that's it. So anyway, I'm trying to, let's say I talk to somebody an hour, and I'm trying to transcribe off the tape recorder onto Word, onto the computer. It's very tedious because I try very hard to keep it very accurate, you know. So those, exactly. those kind of things, uh-huh. It's very time-consuming. But it's so very fun you- to interview the people. <laughs> So then what would you say was your most favorite uh, book you got to ever write? Well, I think it was actually, to be honest, the third one, Patrick Swayze, uh, The Dreamer, because, you know, it was sort of a combination biography, a lot about his career, and, you know, I had some of his colleagues who worked with him um, gave some tributes. You know, they're all in the book. Like from Dirty Dancing, I had Eleanor Bergstein, the writer. I had the producer, Linda Gottlieb. I had Marshall T. from Roadhouse. You know, it was just a wide variety of people. And I think the book is uh, has a lot of photos and that you won't see anywhere else. And that That's another thing that's sort of hard. It's, I mean, it's really fun when people send you photos or you licensed photos and you have to be a little bit careful um but you know to have them look okay in a book as many of the photos are vintage they're so old you know so yeah i do and then you know you get oh wow the photos are so great and then you people oh the photo quality is so bad <laughs> so this last time around in addition to the book designer we got this like photo expert to kind of you know help out on some of the photos so because, I mean, my last book on his mom, of course, Patrick's in a lot of 64 photos, and a lot of them are vintage. Most are in color. 
It's very rare, you know, is paperback. My books are paperback and e-books. So I hope okay. I answered cool. your question. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. Uh, okay, cool. Sue, uh, uh, is our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. And for those of you who listen to our show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era, Monday Live Monday, like that. Go to 89.1 Ken's FM page, like that. Do a $10 a month donation to Power Tower. We'll get you automatically qualified to win a autograph fix from a past guest, future guest, or current guest. And, Sue, I did get your package. I do want to thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And, uh, and, uh, un- unfortunately, uh, one of my wives has kidnapped one of the books. So, uh, <laughs> I will be using it, I will be using it for a giveaway once she's done reading it. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, there is a free, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. I didn't interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I, I can wait. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, Sue's our guest. You're on, we got about 16 minutes here left with, uh, Sue. Now, when you uh, first uh, met Patrick and, uh, you know, he was, uh, for instance, the dreamer. Now, I believe that if this is true, I do believe it is, that he was picked on his, uh, in school, wasn't he, when he was uh, growing up? Yes, he was bullied uh-huh. because, you know, he was taking dance and violin. and um, He was always playing the lead in the plays and the musicals and stuff like that. So, yeah, he was bullied, which caused him a lot of issues. I mean, his parents got him enrolled in, uh, I believe it was, yeah, karate school and stuff like that. And his dad taught him how to fight. So uh, one time he ended up in the hospital from getting beaten up by a group of kids, like four kids or something. So then what they did, I mean, think back in Houston, like in the, I'm not sure how old he was, maybe like 12, so like in the early 60s or something. Um, they had a, they arranged for Patrick, the school principal, for Patrick to fight each one of those kids separately instead of having, you know, four kids ganged up on him. So that's wow, how you know, that, that, that wouldn't after. happen today. That wouldn't happen no, today. Wouldn't. No, it would not. <laughs> a lot of things that happened back then were not happening today. So, so, I mean, he, yeah, he talked about that on the Barbara Walters, the first interview in 88 quite a bit made him have a chip on his shoulder, so what, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, he got over that eventually. So so, so hanging with Patrick, uh, and I, I know that uh, you've got to know him a, a, a real, you know, a lot, and you hung out with him a lot during the making of these four no. books. Oh, no, did? I didn't because, I mean, I met him four times in person, twice in Detroit, once in Houston, once in Asheville. The first two were the you know, charity benefits sort of, and then the second two were um, the um, complexions. Uh, I'm sorry. They were the um, screenings of One Last Dance uh, at film festivals. So um, I did get a chance to interact with him personally um, and also with, you know, as one of a group of fans and stuff. And he was very ill when I was finishing um my first book on Dirty Dancing, I talked to his, I don't know, somebody in his management team and stuff, and he, it was just so sad, you know. So he never um, got to see any of my books. Um, one cool thing was, though, through the fan club, they had a quarterly magazine, and it went out to all the members, you know, once again, an international club president out in Scotland. And I know Patrick and Lisa read the magazine. 
So that was pretty cool. And I ended up writing about 13 articles for the magazine. That's what really got me into writing. And also because he was so passionate over in Houston about realizing your dreams, you know. So um, so it was very cool at those four occasions to meet him. And I also got to call in a question on the Donnie Deutsch show. <laughs> that was amazing. They picked, you know, a few people from the fan club. And I got that experience. So I always remember all the times, especially Houston. That was that was just huge. Um, it wasn't. I mean, he and his wife introduced the movie One Last Dance. They had a plane at four theaters, same time. We were sitting right in front of the family. And he's riding around after the premiere, talking to all of us. But there was about a thousand people at that premiere, and no security until the very end. You know, it was sort of crazy. And, you know, photos, and he did special photos of fan club, and like I said, coming on the bus. So that those were all very cool experiences. And I don't know how many celebrities do that kind of thing with fan club. I'm not sure. <laughs> I never well, thought I'd be in a fan club. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, it, you know in a, uh, if, you, um, if you were to, from, well, for the, for the writing books about Patrick and the, the four times you met him, if you had to say, of Patrick, of his movie characters, what would you say of his movie characters he's more like? Oh, wow. Because he always put part of himself into every role. But I would say Dirty Dancing. He related to Johnny so much, you know, the kid from the streets trying to prove himself. Because like what you mentioned before about the bullying and stuff. And plus his mom was... She was great, um, taught him quite a bit, but she was quite a hard taskmaster. So I think he really, he talked about it in a lot of the interviews. He really could find a lot of himself in, in Johnny, you know. So, you know, of course he was a much better dancer than Johnny. He danced down in the movie except for the list in the last, last scene. But uh, I would say Johnny Castle, definitely Dirty Dancing. You know, another one of my favorite roles is Ghost. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's yeah. I know it's just it's just one of those movies that you know. I don't think there's, uh, and I'm not just saying this because you're you're here and you wrote about Patrick Swayze, but I don't think there's one of his movies that I disliked. I mean, mm-hmm. every one of his roles was great. The only thing I I really didn't like. I love the movie Point Point Break, but I just didn't love how uh, everybody in that movie, uh, how everybody's character life ended, you know. And you know, Patrick mm-hmm. Swayze was one of the, he was a bad guy in the movie, but he didn't yeah. come across as a bad guy, and that's hard to do. Right. Yeah, and he a lot of his movies he was sort of like in these he had philosophical quotes thrown in there, you know. Um, all over the place, like in Roadhouse and then like in Point Break, especially the last scene in there. And then if you, did you ever see the movie Three Wishes? Most people yes. have never seen it. Oh, you my, did my see mother, it. I love My mother's movie. favorite movie. My mother's favorite oh, movie yeah. is I mean, it, it was just, I, I, I haven't watched it in a while, but back in the day I watched it quite a bit and I just, it was so sad it didn't do better at the box office. You know what I mean? But it was just, uh, I thought it was so amazing and too bad it um, 
I mean, a lot of people don't even know it exists, you know. <laughs> well, you know, the first the first movie that Patrick Swayze ever saw was a movie called Uncommon Valor, where oh. he, was in, he, he was in the military. Yeah, Gene Hackman was in that, right? Yes, and Randall Tex mm-hmm. Cobb. I mean, it, just a, just an awesome movie. And then, of course, uh, his his second movie that I really enjoyed was Red Dawn, and then mm-hmm. Dirty Dancing, and then Roadhouse, and then Ghost. Yeah, and what about point, North and South? What about North and South? That okay. So that was a TV you miniseries in nineteen eighty-five. You have to ask my dad about that one. You know, the reason I brought that up was, first of all, that really made Patrick pretty famous, okay? Not like Dirty Dancing, where that blew his life out of the water, but it made him famous. But he also talked a lot in different interviews about how he could relate to his character, Ori Maine, who was a Southern gentleman who became friends with the guy from the north, so Patrick's from the south, this other guy played by James Reed was from the north, they show them being friends through West Point and then on opposite on the Civil War, but Patrick would always say that um, he really identified with living in that time that, you know, in the Civil War times more than modern times because he was so into honor and integrity and loyalty and manners. I mean, that's how it was brought up by both parents, you know. So that sort of goes back to one of your other questions. He really, and plus the horse riding, and he loved horses, especially Arabians. So um, he really got into that role. And, like, once again, that did make him famous, I think, more than the Outsiders movie. So, (laughs) you know. Oh, I I forgot about the Outsiders, too. Yeah, yeah. That was well. You know, he's he's had I so many it. good roles. It's it's hard to pinpoint. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to pinpoint a favorite one because he's had so many good roles. Right. It's it's just amazing. I mean, he did thirty seven movies, and then he did um, you know some TV stuff, and then he was on Broadway also. So I mean, he was a very busy guy, and he wrote some songs, and, of course. You know, so. You know, uh, one of, uh, uh, I believe one of his uh, very first uh, uh, movies, uh, what was it? Was it uh, Skate City? Skate Town, USA, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, another one of uh, his, his movies that people don't really talk about was uh, Grandview, USA, uh, with him, C. Oh, Thomas right. Hall, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and John mm-hmm. Cusack. I mean, that's one of those uh, cult classics that no one ever talks about. Yep, it was in 1984, according to my list here. Yes, and so. uh, the, first, the first time I saw that movie, I watched it with my dad, uh, not my dad, my grandfather. Uh, you oh, know, wow. My, my grandfather liked movies like that, but do you think I could get him to watch Dirty Dancing? No. <laughs> Oh, you know, my my dad um, really liked Dirty Dancing. I'm not saying he watched it more than once or anything, but it, it was real, you know, and he could relate to the people of his generation and the, the Catskills and all that because they really did take, um, 
real episodes, real stuff that happened in the Catskills from Eleanor Burstein, the writer. She used to go there as a girl with her family. And then they had a story consultant, Jackie Horner, sadly is no longer with us, um, who like taught dance at Grossinger's and other um, places in the Catskills for like decades and decades. I got to be friends with her. And, um, you know, she gave me interviews for the book, but in the meantime, she told all the stuff that really happened. So it was very real, a lot of the stuff they had in the movie, Dirty Dancing. So even even some of the guys like it, right? Right, exactly. Well, uh, me and Matthias, we were talking about that before we went on the air. Matthias has seen it twice. I've seen it 75 and, times. Okay. I I lost track, and I I have to admit, I um, sometimes I have a hard time watching his stuff because he's no longer here. Um, I I know he was gone way way, way too young. It was crazy. I mean, his he died the same age as father when the father died. They were both fifty seven. Father had a heart attack. Um, but yeah, fifty seven was, you know, way too young. But you I know, think and, his legacy uh, really lives on, you know. You know, that's why, uh, I don't know if he talked to you about this, but I remember he, him doing an interview when he was talking about his one scene in Red Dawn when he was talking to uh, his father in the movie, Harry Dean Stanton, and he was crying and he was thinking about his dad uh, during mm-hmm. that, the filming of that. And that's how he got the emotional for that. Yeah. I mean, the same thing happened in Goals, like, I think, like, when you saw himself, you know, dead, it made him think about his father, and then, I think it was in the Outsiders, who who was the director of that? Was it Coppola? Oh. Anyway, yeah. he used some of those, cool. his father dying, and it made Patrick cry for real, he used a, a technique to, you know have him do the role, so I thought it was a little dirty-handed, but anyway, it worked, I guess. So, yeah, uh, we have, very, um, mm-hmm. go ahead. Uh, we have uh, Susan Tabuszynski is our guest here, and we have about two minutes left here. Uh, so we can do it so we don't forget, if our fans want to check you out and see it, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok, what do you got? Okay, so I have an author website, like dirtydancing.com. And there is something free to to a surprise for people if they want a chapter, one of the chapters from the Patrick Swayze book. Then um, my books are on Amazon. I have two Facebook pages. Um, I'm not really on Instagram too much or Twitter, but those those what I mentioned are the main things. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, Sue. I do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Uh, there's so many other things that we uh, that we didn't cover that we'd like to talk about. Hopefully, we can have you back on again uh, oh, in awesome. the future. Thank you. And yeah, uh, maybe really we can have you on for two segments. And uh, we <laughs> we love you and we appreciate what you do. And most importantly, thank you for being my friend. I do appreciate it. You're awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. I so appreciate being on the show. This is really a great experience for me. Awesome. Thanks, Sue. We love you. Have a good night. Okay, we love you too. Bye. Oh, bye bye. All right, uh, that was uh, that was Sue. Hey, uh, what do you think of that interview, Matthias? That was pretty good, huh? Oh yeah. 
Well, you know, I'll tell you what. Speaking of dirty dancing, we got a uh, Chippendale dancer coming up next. So uh, stick with us. We'll be back after these messages from our next sponsor. And uh, don't go away because our next interview is going to be really, really awesome. So stick with us. So, if your spring and summer projects include some concrete work, elevated concrete can be reached at 701-866-9018. On Facebook, their concrete work includes driveways, sidewalks, walkways, approaches, huge floors, patios, and shed pans, plus offer decorative or stamped concrete as well. And all estimates are free. Are ready right now for any concrete project you have. That's Elevated Concrete at 701-866-9018. Ladies and gentlemen, we continue with our dirty dancing topic. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room, walking down the aisle. He is our next guest. He is the man that can tell you all about Chippendales. He is Bruce Nunn. Hey, Bruce, this is you Bruce Nahan. Yeah, this is Bruce Nahan. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday, live on 89.1, Ken's FM, with your host, the icon, the grandmother of wrestling, Granny Huckster, the modern nightmare, Matthias, and the big swing. And I'm here, too. And it was interesting hearing about Patrick Swayze because I knew him fairly well. You did? Yeah, Patrick uh, was very heavy into horses. My ex-wife was a horse trainer. Patrick did uh, Three Wishes. And uh, interesting story. Have we started? Yeah, go ahead. Um, When I was film commissioner, they offered me a part, uh, and I played a mountain man. I think it was called Tall Tales. He played uh, Paul Bunyan or something, I think. Uh, but in any event, I was wearing a bearskin rug. It was hot as hell in Santa Clarita. So I went for the nearest chair, which happened to be Patrick's. The producers and Patrick's guard were petrified as to what would happen when Patrick saw me sitting in his chair. He came over to me, sat, and the lady was the mother of um, Macaulay Calkins in Home Alone seat. And he says, I understand you're into horses. And the next day, he he moved two or three horses to my ex-wife's ranch, and we just started riding horses together. In fact, I heard somebody talking about the Chris Farley thing. Uh, We were on a ride, and I suggested he do something about Chippendales. But uh, anyway, I knew Patrick fairly well. It was sad. Well, you know, I was going to ask you if you – what you thought of that skit with him and Chris Farley as Chippendale dancers. We're going to talk about you being a Chippendale dancer, too, but uh, what did you think of that skit? Did you think it was funny? Did you think it was I, horrible? I, I, I thought it was hilarious, but I didn't dance. I started, was one of the co-starters at Chippendale. I wasn't a dancer. Oh, okay. All right, but but you, you still work with Chippendales, you know, uh, uh, and uh, we're going to go I, I over was, the here. I was second. one of... But, I was one of the founders. We're getting a bit of an echo. I was one of the two founders of Chippendales. Well, you know, I was not a Chippendale dancer. I was a Chips Ahoy dancer back in my day. I like Chips Ahoy also. <laughs> I was. Uh, I mean, that was for, near my feet. Uh, I I I didn't get to dance there because we never had a comedy night. <laughs> 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 
big swing was a little late on that one. Uh, the karaoke bars pay me not to come in. So. Well, you know, uh, you know, you founded uh, you, you founded uh, Chippendale. Now, let me ask you this: When you uh, got the idea for Chippendales, what, what, what did you decide that uh, you know there's there's clubs for guys to go to, but there's no clubs for women to go to? Well, what what was happening is the story was pitched to us by a lady named Dorothy Stratton, who was Playmate of the Year, and her husband, Paul Snyder. If you ever go watch the uh, the movie uh, Star 80, that's their story. For those who are listening to this, if you have Max, we have a four-part documentary called Curse of Chippendales that is actually the definitive work, not the Kamael's inspired by show on Hulu, which was terrible. Um, but uh, if they go to Max and see Curse of Chippendales, they'll hear the story. I kind of narrate it, too. I co-produced it. Um, but what was happening, you ever notice Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton never wear dresses? It was during the 1970s, women were figuring that the only way they'd be able to succeed was to emulate men. So they started wearing men's clothes, Brooks Brothers suits and the like, and, and they wanted to have a strip joint just like uh, the men did. Uh, the present-day young ladies, the third wave of feminism, I don't think if I started it now, it would have any, any impact at all. I don't think the girls would go. That's awesome. Uh, Bruce Nahn is our guest here on 89.1 Kens FM. we got about uh, 25 minutes here with uh, Bruce. Now, we, you know, you've, uh, you've also, you were involved in some other stuff other than Chippendales. Like I said, we'll, we'll talk more about Chippendales, but uh, you were uh, also involved in a couple uh, good movies that we were just talking about. Uh, you were in uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and you were also involved in the remake of Red Dawn. I, I was involved in both Red Dawns, actually. Oh, you were? Uh, the, well, the first one just because Patrick was a friend. Uh, but the second one, yes, I was involved in the remake. It was shot up in Acton, California. Now, uh, with, the, with the, you know, they always talk about, you know, remakes, uh, you know, they're, they're either money grabs or, you know, they're not as good as original or they, they ruin the, the essence of the first film. But what did you think of the remake? You know, each generation has to retell the story their way. And I'm 70, and the kids in their 20s need to have Little Mermaid their way. Uh, they need to have um, stories that they can relate to. That That's what making movies are all about. So the second redawn was with younger stars. Patrick had come and gone, you know, and, and, and I don't have a problem with them doing that as long as they stay relatively true to the form. A dear friend of mine uh, directed uh, Creed Two, and he tells a story, his name's Steve Cable, and he tells the story when he had to approach Sly Stallone um, with the script. Everybody else was afraid, uh, but Stallone was nice and changed some of the rocky lines in Creed Two, And... Um, the movie was done, but, you know, Creed Two is really Rocky remade, basic out, same outline. So every generation needs to have it. 
bishop's wife became treat a preacher's wife. You know, remakes are done. I don't really like a lot of times when they take classic movies and try and turn it into TV. That doesn't seem to work very well. Uh, Bruce Nons, our guest here on 89.1 Kent FM. we got about uh, 23 minutes. Now, I uh, want to introduce you to uh, my co-host. His name is Matthias. Now, Matthias, if I'm not mistaken, did you, before you became a wrestler, did you not have uh, a dream about being a Chippendale dancer? Uh, I mean, I never really focused on myself being a dancer. I was more uh, on the fact of physical uh the physical things, I mean, dancing is somewhat physical, but I, I just got to say I love fighting. So not really much of a dancer type, but, I mean, if you get a few drinks in me, I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> so we got to yeah, Matthias, you probably would have been a good host, though, you know, if you have the build. Uh, not everybody's a dancer, but some of the guys we got out of SCUCO were chiseled. And, uh, they would go around serving drinks, lighting cigarettes, and being cute. Fair enough. Fair or, enough. Or, or you might have been a good bouncer. Probably. That's probably my best one. Uh, that would probably be my best gig, I would say. But anyway, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed NSC World Tag Team Champion, soon again to be BGW World Tag Team Champion, soon to be flashback pro wrestling world heavyweight champion, and soon soon, must lest we forget APW World Heavyweight Champion Matthias and honorary member of the New World Order. Welcome on to my part of the program. Yes, as Icon and you guys were kind of talking, I've been trying to I've been trying to, you know, picture a lot of things and kind of keep up right now. My, I've had quite a headache throughout the day. I've just been running all over like a chicken with my head cut off. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm just trying to think here. I was gonna, I was kind of gonna ask about the, uh, the the skit myself because I'm such a huge Chris Farley fan. Well, but, go uh, ahead. Well, I was gonna. I mean, you kind of already did, but like, what was one of your favorite uh, moments you would say as being part of like the Chippendales and stuff like that? Was there like something crazy that happened that you'll never forget, or was there like a certain place that they went to that like the crowd was best or anything like that that you'll that you can remember? There were several. I, I really enjoyed the fact that we opened up clubs like in Amsterdam and in London uh, and in Hamburg and stuff like that. Going to storm places and watching your baby grow in another area was really a lot of fun. Um, we, we had clubs in, in Philadelphia. Um, we, we did stuff in Atlantic City. I was never really into doing the casinos like they do now. They are um, they are in uh, the Rio in Las Vegas, and I never really liked the idea of doing casinos. Um, but it was always a kick when I went on tour with the guys. It's like the the film Almost Famous, the girls outside just screaming and shouting. That was... Uh, for an old Jewish guy, that was kind of an interesting thing, you know. Fair enough. Uh, Bruce Nahn is our guest here on 89.1 Kens FM. Now, when you, uh, you, you've, uh, you've uh, been involved in uh, 
acting recently, and if I'm not mistaken, and uh, we get more sort of information from uh, IMDB.com, so if the information is correct, don't uh, get mad at our producer, uh, get mad at IMDB, but it says that you have 23 upcoming things in production. Is that correct? Is that true? Um, there's a lot of them. I never know how many are there because, uh, you know, I'm hired. I'm hired uh, to do projects that are not always funded. Oh, as as in uh, like independent projects? Well, mostly what I do now is I do a lot of projects with writer-directors. Okay. Um, I, I really now, like I like te- I like teaching the young people, so I'm looking. My agents are looking for writer director projects under twenty million dollars, mostly now. That's now, is there, uh, is, is there a favorite thing that you like to do, whether it be uh, writing or producing, uh, acting? You know, if you had to, if you had to. Put it, put it in put it in order of what you like to do most to what you do like to do least uh, of your top three. What would they be? I like teaching. I do a lot of guest lecturing. Acting is fun once in a while, but to me, sitting around is a little boring. When 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 I'm producing, there's always a million decisions to make. It's constantly going on. Uh, making sure Denzel Washington's picked up at the airport, making sure the food's there on time, uh, arranging locations the next day. Um, there, there's just 80 million moving parts. It's just mental exercise. I love it. Well, I got to ask you, what, you know, you mentioned uh, picking up Denzel Washington at the airport. What is that like? You know, my experience with actors is the ones that were nice people before they were successful are still nice. And the ones that were assholes before, money just magnifies who they are. I'm not going to tell you assholes because I, I just am not, but I can tell you Denzel Washington, Matthew McConaughey, Keanu Reeves, Angelina Jolie were sweethearts to work with. And remember, try and keep it uh, PG if possible. But anyway, we have uh, Bruce as our guest here. Now, when you're um, when you're uh, getting involved in these projects, uh, is it that uh, is it like word of mouth that they say you got to you should work with this guy, or is it uh, repeat uh, uh, repeat business that uh, you work with one director and uh, he says, you know, I want you to help me with this film and work with this project? Uh, is it is it basically working with the same directors and actors all the time, or is it uh, like a crapshoot, like one time you work with this person and then you never work with them again, and then you work with this person and you work with them on 20 different projects? I, I find that once I work with someone, I get repeat business from them, but the business is always expanding. Um, because I do a lot of teaching, um, what state are you guys in? We are in North Dakota. North Dakota. Remind me to ask you why there's two Dakotas later. But uh, okay. 
what what I what I find is as I mentor, as I teach. I, I mean, I got like 300 credits now because I've been doing this since 1975 when I drove Jane Fonda and John Boyd around for coming home. And if you treat people well, you do a good job. Um, I'm pretty much what they call a producer for hire. I don't raise the funds. I don't always pick the product. And I'm called, say, a month or two before the shoot, like an insurance company or a bonding company says you need to have something with more experience. And they call and they hire me. And it's a lot of fun working with new people all the time. You know, one thing I I do want to ask you, Bruce, is – on imdb.com, it says that uh, you're credited as being a film commissioner. What is yes. a film commissioner? Well, in my particular case, uh, the, the county of Los Angeles is divided into, into areas in the north part of L.A. County where Magic Mountain is. became a city in 1987. And they wanted to have somebody represent their interests on the county film commission. And what a film commission does is it it attracts movie shoots. It it brings in things like post-production. It gets the cities to develop concessions like in Santa Clarita. You don't pay to use the parks or the police or the fire. And they don't charge you hotel, you know, taxes, things like that. So you try and make it comfortable. The feeling is if the business comes there, it trickles back into the economy. That's why a lot of states give tax credits, because they're trying to do the same thing. So Santa Clarita, where I was, is the number two uh, movie shoot area in the country, and that's how I met Patrick. Now, has there been uh, someone that, uh, that that you met on set that you were like, wow, I cannot believe I'm like this. Uh, I'm standing next to him, or, or do you not really uh, do you not really put people up on a uh, pedestal like that? No, um, actors are my employees. I sign the paychecks. We we have meetings. We understand. Uh, most actors work with a director more often than they work with a producer, but. I, I do let them know that I'm the one they come to if they have problems offset. Um, we may be someplace for 18, 20 days, and I'm their concierge. But uh, I've become very friendly with, uh, with a lot of what you guys call A-listers, but I'm equally friendly with crew. I, I like working with crew. They're my repeat business over and over. I use my crew all the time. When I'm hired, I bring in my own first AD and my own line producer. Uh, Bruce Nunn is our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM, and I, you know we only, I, you know, I wish we had, uh, you know, I wish you had two more years with you because there's so many things that we want to cover, and uh, we're, you know, we're 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 definitely gonna have to have you back on again because there's so many other things that we want to cover because of all the stuff you've done. It'd but be my pleasure. So we can do. Yeah, so uh, we can do this. If our fans want to check you out and see, do you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a yeah, TikTok? Uh, what do you got? Yeah, the best place to look for me is Instagram. That's Bruce Nahan, N-A-H-I-N. Um, that's the one place I actually look for messages and respond. 
I'm told I'm not very responsive on text and all the other media, but uh, Bruce Nahan at on Instagram is a great place. I'm on Facebook too, but I, I don't really use it very much except for birthdays and, and to repost the Instagram. So I'd say Instagram first. All right. And then uh, one thing I do want to ask you, Bruce, here, uh, we, we just need to take a quick little uh, time out here. We'll be right back after these little right. messages. Uh, stick with us. Hold on one sec, all right? I'm here. listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZ FM, Holly, Fargo-Moorhead, independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. And for those of you who listen to our show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era, Monday Live Monday, you like that, uh, go to 89.1 Ken's FM page, like that, do a $10 a month donation to Power of the Tower. We'll get you automatically qualified and win a autographed picture from past guests, current guests, or future guests. Uh, Bruce, you think you'd be willing to send us a few for our giveaways, some autographs? Sure, definitely. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Bruce, you have been awesome, and uh, like I said, I, I wish we had more time with you because uh, uh, I wanted to ask you how I could kick off my career as a Chip and Dale dancer, but uh, I, I, you probably want to keep your clubs open, I would guess. But it's only the one I don't own it anymore, so. Okay. Well, maybe you can probably give we me a job there like, uh, as a busboy or something. Well, I told you a host. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, uh, Matthias, you and I can be a host at Chippendales. What do you think? We'll go. <laughs> that'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, Bruce, we love you so much, man. Thank you for being with us. And uh, would you be willing to join us again on another episode? I would love it. Uh, think awesome. about it. Why are there two two Dakotas? All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We, well, maybe maybe we uh, we will definitely cover that next time you're on. We will definitely get you on. As a matter of fact, uh, this week I'll contact you in our next open date. I'm going to get you on. Sounds good, guys. Have a All right, thanks, week. buddy. All right, we love you, Bruce. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, that was Bruce Nodden, ladies and gentlemen. What a great uh, interview. Did uh, Do you ever think, uh, Matthias, that uh, you'd be talking to the creator of Chippendales? No, honestly. All right. You know, I'll tell you what, when it comes to Chippendales, though, I always pictured myself as Chris Farley doing the Chippendales thing. Yeah. All right, well, we need to take a quick little commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages, and uh, our next guest will be right here. So stick with us. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, the new blocks are here. The new blocks are here. Yes, for a limited time, you can get your very own 89.1 Ken's FM clock. For a $25 donation, you can get a classic analog round-faced clock with the 89.1 Ken's FM logo on the front. Just go to our website www.kensfm.com and under the more merch tab you will find the clocks along with numerous other new merch you can order get yours now while supplies last we have these in limited quantity so order now at www.kensfm.com ladies and gentlemen stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle call the cops ladies and gentlemen we have the greatest in D minus horror films of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you our guest at this time. He is Joel 
wake up. Hey, this is Joel Weinkoop, king of the B-movies, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, the modern nightmare, Matthias, and the Big Swing. How are you, Joel? That's probably the most energetic Introduction we've ever had on this show. Uh, how many cups of coffee have you had to keep, uh, stay awake tonight? No coffee, just uh, Pepsi and Coke mixed to the exact proportions of excitement. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we thank you uh, for being uh, with us, Joel. Here we have, uh, well, we have a good time with you. We have about uh, 30 minutes here with you. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, and I just realized that uh, I've, I've kind of went off the rails. What we're going to do here is we're going to be, uh, give us a little induction about yourself, and then uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Then we'll do a roundtable, then we'll come back to me, and I'll ask you the tougher questions. So go ahead. Give us a little background. Well, hey, um, well, I started um, making movies back in the 70s, 1974, I think, with a little movie called The Invisible Boy, The Bionic Boy. Uh, I did that. Uh, in my neighborhood when we had to move from Minnesota to Florida. And um, one of the first kids in one of my movies, he ran over with the dinosaur, and his name was Tim Ritter. And then I was, so I was making all these Super 8 movies, and then his mom was actually one of my substitute teachers at my school, and they needed somebody to watch Tim and Wendy when they were kids, like 8 years old. So I took care of Tim Ritter and his sister Wendy Ritter for, I don't know, for, for a school year. And then I put Tim in one of my movies. I did a bunch of Super 8 movies. I moved away from the neighborhood 10 years later. My nephew from um, KGR, the Love Doctors, he calls me Terrence, and he goes, hey, I got this kid's, uh, there's a newspaper in our school, uh, Jupiter War Cry. There's a kid in there named Tim Ritter making a movie called Day of the Reaper. Is that the kid you used to sit with? And I go, I don't know, maybe. And I called him. It was. We got together that night. We went out in West Palm, the seedy parts of West Palm, shot a little stupid movie, and uh, I wish we had it today because I think Tim told me that he taped uh, NYPD Blue over it, so uh, we don't have that. But uh, then we got together. We created Twisted Illusions. Uh, then we sent that off to uh, Jeff Miller at Peerless Films. We got them to back us up with um, almost a million dollars to do Truth or Dare when all was said and done. And then from there, Tim uh, scripted Killing Spree, which I had a part in. And then when Killing Spree was going on, I wrote my movie, Lost Faith. Then we do Wicked Games. Uh, then I think we did um, some stuff for Kevin Lindemann and Marcus Cook, uh, Rot, the Alien Agenda movies. And then I think we did uh, Screaming for Sanity and Dirty Cop No Donut. And then we went on and on with um, all our movies together. And then I got, I moved away. Tim moved away. I moved away. I came to Tampa. And then the world opened up for me because, you know, and then we got in Fangoria Magazine. Uh, and then I was just doing, you know, one movie after the other. And um, I was going to Iowa, Indiana, Kentucky. Wisconsin, Minnesota. Um, I was flying out for all these movies. Uh, Missouri for Clownator for Todd Sheets, and still been doing it. I've done now to over 200 movies, and I have a television show. I have a comic book coming out. Um, I teach acting classes, and I've got a book coming out. And uh, so I keep super, super busy with it, trying to always, you know, get stuff going. I got to go back into the studio uh, sometime this week to tape. I have seven more shows. Um, that'll probably tape and then they, that take me way into next year. 
and then I'll be doing the show all the way through next year. Um, so, yeah, just keep him busy with that, and that, that's pretty much everything in a nutshell. Well, you know, of all the guests that we've had, you are the only one to have over 200 projects under his belt. Oh, really? Right, and, you know, it, it's just kind of weird. It's like I'm trying there, – there's no way uh, in the next 23 minutes we'll be able to go through everything. But one thing I do want to yeah. ask you about, and then we'll go to Matthias because he's our uh, horror film guru. But uh, cool. I noticed that uh, a lot of your projects, you like to put your name in the title. Uh, is that an ego thing or just so people know who you are? Um, no, my – yes, I put it in – it's not an ego thing, but if you do not promote yourself – Nobody will. I went to my agent years ago in 2008, and I said, Randy, could you, could you do something where you're promoting me so I can get some more work? And basically she said, Joel, do your own promotion. I have 3,000 actors here I have to promote. Do it yourself. And that's why I put my name on my T-shirts. Another guy asked me in Iowa, I was wearing my wine coupe shirt, and he goes, oh, I got a shirt with, that I'm on too, but I would never wear it in public. And I go, Why? Well, you know, you're so acting like you're a big shot with your name on. I go, dude, no, that is not the point. Of, that's not the reason at all, buddy. I go, you have to promote yourself because does your agent promote you? Well, no, they've got a lot of act. I go, exactly. That's why you've got to do it yourself, man. You need to market yourself. You think you were just talking about Patrick Swayze. Do you think he was sitting around telling his agent, please don't promote me. I'll just walk down the street and someone will stick me in a movie. No, you got to put your name out there. you got you got to let people, hey, I'm Patrick Swayze, man. Put me in a movie. Oh, you look awesome. Look what I can do. I can karate kick people. Wow. You know, that that's, that's the point, man. If you don't promote yourself, then just don't do nothing because you're never going to get discovered. You Even the people that discovered do stuff. Like, like, what's his name? He's on the YouTube and doing all his YouTube stuff, and people were probably thinking, Oh, you're a jerk. You're putting yourself on YouTube. You think you're a big shot. Well, now he is. He's got a million dollars. I can't think of his name, but you know who I'm talking about. Right, exactly. Now, I'll tell you what. Uh, we have uh, Justin uh, Bieber. Yeah. Bieber boy. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I have a joke about Justin Bieber, uh, you know, because we're in North Dakota here, and you, you're from Minnesota, so you know about the winners. I always say that uh, winners like uh, Justin Bieber – it's cute for a while, but then it can stay in Canada. That's my joke for the day. Uh, we have uh, Joel's our guest here. One thing I do want to uh, say, uh, Joel, is happy anniversary. Oh, thank you so much. And I know my wife's in the other room, and if she's not asleep, she's probably saying, well, that was very nice of him. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, before we go to Matthias, there's one other thing I want to ask you about. Uh, and then uh, – uh, because our, our producer came up with this uh, tidbit. I knew about the anniversary, but our uh, our producer came up with this tidbit. i got to know if this is true or not, or is he ribbing me, that you uh, your son is named after Captain Kirk. Is that correct, or is that a rib? No, that's the truth. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was Jimmy, and it was Star Trek Generations when Picard and Kirk met and Kirk died that night, my son, Jim, Jimmy, was born. And although it's not on the official, because uh, my wife then was like, you're not going to put that on the birth certificate. <laughs> but I told her, I go, but that's his name. So his name was James, um, James Tiberius Kirk Walter 
wine coop. Walter was my dad's name, and he would have loved that I put James Kirk before his name because he was a Star Trek fan. He got me watching it. And But, yeah, Jimmy Winecoop, my son Jimmy Winecoop, he is named after um, Captain Kirk. James Tiberius yeah. Kirk, Walter Winecoop. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, Joel, I am a big fan, and uh, you're probably going to think of uh, – you're probably going to think I'm ribbing you, but I'm not. Uh, I also want to wish you a happy 21st birthday, which is coming up on Thursday. My 21st birthday? Yes, thank you. That's That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Joel Weinkoop is our guest here on 89.1 Kent's FM. And for those of you who listen to our show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Air, Monday Live Monday, you like that. Go to 89.1 Kent's FM, like that. Do a $10 month donation, power the tower. We'll get you automatically qualified to win an autograph picture from past guests, current guests, or future guests. Uh, Joel, you think you'd be willing to send us a few autographs, maybe even like an autograph comic book? I, I don't have my comic book. In fact, that, that's another story for another day. I, I want to give my comic book artist. I've paid him already half the money, and I'm not getting anything. So I'm trying to give him some time. I'm saying, hey, man, I paid you a lot of money. I need to start seeing stuff. I don't want to do these, you know, I, I don't like this court issues. I just, I paid you the money. Give me my give me my comic book. So I don't have that particular one ready yet because I'm still waiting on him to finish it. But I'm more than happy to give anybody, if you want me to send you some headshots, headshots autographed i will do that and i'll toss in some for my wife would be more than happy to sign some for you also that's awesome and uh, you know the cool thing is we were supposed to have uh it was supposed to be you and uh one of your buddies tonight uh but uh, unfortunately he uh, had some kind of scheduling conflict so we weren't able to get that uh, uh get you guys both on but uh, uh if i knew that uh you were uh you know phil uh you know if i knew and uh, michael yeah. but uh since uh you're bringing enough energy. We don't need those guys. You, we, the, we can handle it ourselves. You and I and Matthias. <laughs> yes, we can. Yeah, that's Michael Mustafas, who's a very super nice guy and a great filmmaker. And then, of course, Phil Herman has been. You know, he's been my partner for over 36 years now. And we had an opportunity. His son got him. He goes, Dad. You're going to go meet Joel Weinkoop because you've known him for 36 years. So I got you a condo. You're going to be there for a week up in Claremont, Florida, and tell Joel that I'm sure Joel's going to want to come up there. So we did it on camera. The first time we met, my wife was uh, running the camera. He opened up the door. God, I hugged that guy for like seven minutes. We both had tears coming out of our eyes. We were like, ah, we're such babies. Look at us. But, you know, we worked together for 36 years and never met. So it was a really awesome week that he and I spent together. And to finally meet each other, we just – it was just great to – like, you know, embrace, and we were just like, oh, I can't believe I'm finally meeting you, man. So it was really, really great. Uh, Joel Weinkoff is our guest here. we got about uh, 16 minutes here left with uh, with Joel here. I, I want to introduce you to uh, um, my co-host. His name is Matthias. Now, uh, I know that he's been trying to get booked uh, to wrestle in your hometown that you were born, Owatonna, Minnesota. Uh, so, Matthias, go ahead. What do you got for a guest? Go ahead. Cool. Well, yes. You are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed NSC World Tag Team Champion, and soon once again to be APW World Heavyweight Champion, Flashback Pro Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, and EWI oh, Epic Champion. Before by the New World Order. 
and honorary member of the New World Order, Matthias here. Welcome on to my part of the program. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat's a little dry yep. right now, and I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off all day, so I'm kind of, you know, in and out of things, out of sorts right now. But um, And the thing, he delivers beverages for a living. Yes, as a matter of fact, I do yeah. alcoholic beverages, uh, to be clear. So, um, excuse me one second. So, uh, so scared, sorry. So what would you say right now is one of the most uh, – actually, I'll go with this question. So as everybody grows up uh, and people go out to interviews, whether they're actors or directors or authors or whatever the case may be, some people decide to ask this specific question, and you'll always get a different answer. So who is one of your main influencers – in life, or who would you say is one of your biggest heroes and influences throughout your life? Well, I can't just skip over my dad. I do, I do have to say my dad, not not only and then did he and he fought in the war uh, for the bigger hero status, but he was my dad. You know, you know, taught me stuff, and um, and then after that, I would say, you know, I always followed you know Batman television show, but as I grew to an adult, and it was you know actors and stuff that I would follow were like Pacino. And, uh, of course, Chuck Norris for the action, James Ryan, uh, Bruce Lee. Um, uh, let's see. Um, for, I mean, for me, cause, because of, you know, following in the, in the, in, in, into acting, um, those are the people, Clint Eastwood, that I would look at and go, those are, you know, those are the movies I want to make. And that was kind of, you know, where other people might look at, you know, well, you know, um, Oh, there's a great fisherman or the great golfer. It, it's all what you want to do in life, and that's kind of where you're geared at. So that's what you're looking at. So those are the people that I was looking at. That I, you know, Sylvester Stallone and and Patrick Swayze. You're talking about tonight from Roadhouse. You know, those are the things I profess to be. And I was like, man, I want to make a movie like that. So it was kind of all geared toward those guys. Okay, and then uh, what would you say is one of your most uh, interesting things that has ever happened, like on a set or anything like that? What is one of your most uh, infamous moments throughout your career that you probably that you know you'll never ever forget? Uh, a couple of them. Uh, one of them was when I was uh, about sixteen, fifteen, sixteen. We were out in the, the, our local sand pit, and uh, it was a gigantic area. It was between Lake Park and Riviera Beach, and. Uh, these, I, my, my buddies that went down to make sure their bikes were locked up and I was left alone at the sand pit and I was molding these people out of the sand. It actually looked like there were people buried in the sand. And so if, if you were like coming over a hill looking down, you would see me standing there over bodies and there was pants pulled on them because there would be pants out there and shirts were discarded. I would put sand in them and, and build these sculptures. Well, these uh, three kids came over the hill and they go, mister, what are you doing? Uh, and I said, oh, I'm killing people and burying them. <gasps> and they ran. And I go, no, I'm just kidding. They ran down the hill. My friends came back, and I told my friends what happened. And they were like, you're lying. And all of a sudden, here came the Riviera Beach Police Department, three or four officers, Channel 12. The news crew came over there. And they had to walk up this incredibly huge hill to come over to where I was. So the police department, Channel 12, and uh, they all came over. And then the cop looked at me and goes, what are you doing? I go, hey, man, the kids, I, I did say I was killing people and burying them, but I was only kidding. I said, I'm making a movie here. And the Channel 12 guy would, looked at me, and he was, like, really disgusted. And the cop was like, you sure there's nothing buried under there? I'd love to dig this up. And I go, no, man, I'm telling you the truth, man. These are just, 
They're just sculpture. They look pretty real to me. And I go, they're not. I said, I'm just making a movie. And my friends that came back that didn't believe me, they were standing there and they were like in awe. They're going, oh God, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't lying. And then another time we were in, uh, Tim Ritter and I were in um, Jonathan Dickinson State Park and I was dressed as Cope Ransom and I had the gun pointed at his wife who was on her knees right in front of me and you couldn't see Tim and you couldn't see our sound guy because the bushes and stuff was all, you know, in the way. And I was holding a gun right at her head because she had to shoot the, the blood into my face. It was for a close-up for another scene. And uh, as I was holding the gun on her, I heard, drop it now. And I turned with the gun in my hand and you should never do that. And uh, they, they dropped to their knees, pulled their guns, and they said, drop it or you're a dead man. And I said, okay. And I threw the gun. I go, it's, it's a fake gun. And I threw it. And then they said, are those weapons on your waist? And I go, yeah. And they go, take it off now. And I go, I can't. They're taped to my body because I had machetes and nunchucks and shurikens and more guns and knives and arrows and crossbows. And uh then, so they finally came over to me, and then Tim didn't know what was going on. He came out of the bushes, and then so did our sound guy. And uh, the cops are like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, well, we're making a movie. you got to have permits. And Tim's like, we got permits. He goes, you should have told somebody. I go, I told the guy at the gate we were going to be shooting. Well, the word never got to us. So um, it was all resolved. But then when I went to get us, um, they only had Powerade, no Gatorade. But So I got Powerade. So I went to their little store that's in Jonathan Dickinson State Park in Los same two cops were in there, and I yelled across the store to them, and I go, hey, thanks for not shooting me. And the, and I'm all in the, the uh, Cope Ransom gear, which is long hair and a bandana and a big trench coat, and my backpack and my utility belt. And uh, the one cop goes, oh, I, I would have missed you, but my partner would have blown your arm off. And I go, oh, well, thanks for not blowing my arm off. <laughs> so those are two that I – and I even had one here recent when I was shooting uh, the Craiglon incident, part three, I think. Um, I thought I could run up on this hill and shoot some um, video really quick of of the highway. Um, or I no, I had to stand up on the hill and the camera was below me, and I had to stand up on the hill and I was in this alien suit and I had a laser gun and I thought I could just shoot this real quick, nobody will notice. And as I was doing it, you know, I shot my scenes and everything, but I'm shooting it at traffic driving by, thinking, you know, no one will care. By the time I got done, I came down the hill, and there were seven sheriff's cars uh, surrounded my van. And uh, they go, Joel Weinkoop? And I go, yeah. And they go, we knew it was you. He goes, this is the actual phone call we got. 911, may I help you? There's, I'm on Gun Highway, and there's an alien. The spaceship is landed, and aliens are, are firing at passerbyers on the highway. And I told the cop, no way. And he goes, I'm telling you, that was the 911 call. <laughs> so those really stick out of my head as the times that I've got and I was at my high school, the cops pulled up, they pulled their guns on us when we were climbing over the gate shooting a little Super 8 movie there and they knew me there too, they go, are you Joel Weinkoop? And I go, yeah, they go, yeah, we've heard of you <laughs> So, so uh, those are some you. pretty funny stories to remember well, when, the, when the cops uh, showed up on your set and everything, what did you say? When you guys going to arrest me for impersonating a director? You got to impersonate me for, for trying to be an actor? Actually, the three cops, the Riviera Beach police that went to our school where they got me, the one got on and he goes, Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, and Spider-Man. I was like, thanks for the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you what, it, it, it sounds like uh, you've had uh, some interesting uh, uh, some interesting time uh 
doing your producing and everything and uh you know being uh being involved in over 200 projects can you narrow it down to your favorite of all those 200 or is that too tough or would you have to yeah, like a top five? i i like i like pretty much all the movies i've been in i've enjoyed because usually the director uh, will let me go. Like even as recent as Todd Sheets' Clownado, I got off the airplane in Missouri, and we were he followed. We went down together to get my bag, and I go, "Hey, I just read the script on the plane. I got my part down and everything, but uh, I added a bunch of stuff that I thought." Oh, he goes, "That's why I hired you. I want you. That's why I did this." So a lot of times, you know, you got to say what what they want you to say, what the script says. But a lot of directors they'll let me run with it, and those make it so much memorable memorable for me because I kind of get to, you know, have my input. Um, but my favorites, I think of, um, you know, creep has been one of my favorites for a long time. And that's because Tim Ritter, he, uh, he even told me later after we shot a scene, he goes, he goes, that's not what I wanted to do, but you were having so much fun with you. It, I just let you go. And I appreciate that. And it's in the movie and people like it. And that's when I'm robbing the jewelry store and, um, lost face. Of course, for me, I think that was my fifth movie um, because, uh, you know, wrote, direct, produced, and um, starred in. And then to the end, I mean, those three Craigline incident movies, they were shot during the pandemic, man. So I, I was shooting that when you weren't allowed to – They didn't. nobody wanted – the news didn't want you to go anywhere. And I got all that footage from all over the world, you know, and put three movies. People were going hey, – they were getting on the news. People are getting on the news here, and they're like, and this is Johnny Edwards. He made a movie during the pandemic. It's seven minutes long. And I used to get so mad. I go, I did six hours. I did three movies during the pandemic. Seven minutes, please. That's a novice. And I would get so mad at that. But those, you know, those men, those men a lot to me because, you know, it worked hard at them. And then um, 187 times, one of my last movies, um, that was a lot of fun and very you know, and it's got like 20 people in it. And I, that's the first time I really got insurance and uh, rented out a studio and it really, it cost quite a bit of money. And, uh, you know, those ones really, st- I, I like all my stuff, but Lost Faith, Creep, 187 times of Craig Lennon. They really stand out. They're some of my favorites. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, with all the stuff that uh, you've been in, uh, that you've done and all the stuff that you know, and it says that, uh, um, Sorry, we have uh, Mr. Uh, Juan Cope as our guest here. we got about uh, four minutes here with our man. Uh, before I ask the next question so we don't miss this, if our fans want to check you out and see it, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok, what do you got? I have – I don't do all the other stuff because I don't really I, – I think sometimes I'm just like, this is enough. Because when uh, you first you had MySpace, then came Facebook, and then like 18 other ones, and people are like, get off Facebook and come on John John and blip blop and flippity flippity doo da. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Facebook is enough for me. So I tell people when they get want to get in touch with me, just go to Facebook, put in my name, Joel D. Winecoop, W-Y-N-K-O-O-P, Joel D. Winecoop, and send me a friend request. Say, hey, Joel, I heard you on the show, and and, uh, you know, I want to check out your movies or, or whatever. Send me a friend request. And that, to me, Facebook, to me, aside from the little things where they're like they get too controlling, like you can't post a toe with blood coming out of it, so we're going to suspend you for 10 years, you know, some of their dumb things like that. But 
other than that, I use it to promote, a, you know, a lot. Um, you know, I, I put my movies up there. Uh, I put my television show up there uh, when I'm casting for something. So I use it for that a lot. So, yeah, if someone wants to check me out, just go to Facebook, put in my name, Joel D. Wynkoop, or they can see me on the Internet Movie Database, IMDb. Um, those are the, the two biggest, I think. And with that being said, uh, Joel, I tell you what, you have been uh, so awesome, and uh, we only got, like I said, we only got uh, uh, three minutes here with you. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that maybe that we uh, can do what we originally planned. If uh, we can get uh, you and Phil on, uh, I, I guess uh, you know, like you said, it took a long time. You guys worked together for 20 years and only met once. Kind of like uh, the whole Night Rider thing, where. Uh, David Hasselhoff didn't meet the voice of Kit until they were at a Christmas party. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's like, pretty uh, cool. Yeah, they, they, were at a, they had never met because uh, he only, he'd only heard his voice. And uh, they met at a Christmas party. And they said, uh, hi, I'm David Hasselhoff. Who are you? He said, well, I'm the voice of Kit. He said, oh, really? I'm the guy that uh, I – so you're the guy I've been talking to all this time. And he's like, <laughs> oh, so you're the guy. They, they didn't even know it was it was it was hilarious. Oh, that's cool. But anyway, yeah, I, would, I would love that. And, and Phil, Phil would, Phil would love that. And the two of us on there, we we would both. That would be really really cool to to do the show with you with, with the both of us on there talking. That'd be awesome. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. What I'd like to do is because I, I I guess he's been very busy and you've been very busy. For, and I do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us tonight. You have been so awesome, and I don't think that uh, we've ever had a guest uh, that uh, has brought this much in. And I'm just saying that because you, it is true. Usually, I'm the one that brings the energy, like with a whole bunch of uh, shots of cappuccino. But uh, you were able to bring it with this uh, a glass of Coke, so we appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm 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 glad too, and that's kind of um, that's kind of what I am. I'm, I'm I've never been kind of like, hey, it's Joel Weinkoop, and I did this movie, and I hope I hope you like it. And I've always been like, hey, it's Joel Weinkoop. What's going on? King of the B movies, Alternative Cinema, 1996. Game of the Heck, six movies. Whoa, check out the show. It's gonna be every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Yeah, no budget cinema coming at you, rocking and rolling. Yeah. Well, you know, there you go. Yeah, I, I work. Uh, I work uh, drive up. Uh, well, not that you care, but I work drive up at a local uh, at a local burger joint here in my hometown, and uh, they recently put me through the drive-through and taking orders. And uh, a couple of people said, uh, "One, uh, how much cappuccino you had today?" And another person said, "It's lucky they got you in a cage." <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Joel, you have been awesome, and uh, I want to get you and. I want to get you guys scheduled together, so I will be in contact with you either this week or next week, and we'll get that planned out. And uh, what I want to do is probably do just a whole show with you uh, and uh, and your buddy there. And uh, if uh, what's his name, uh, Michael, will take a uh, time off from his uh, new job, uh, we'll get the three of you on like we were supposed to do. Ah, uh, that'd be cool, man. I'd love it. All right, thanks, buddy. Take care, and uh, we love you. And thank you so much for all you do. Thank you. All right, guys, thank you. One little more promo i got to do for you guys one more time. 
Hey, it's Joe Wine, the King of the Bee Movie, listening to Attitude Era Monday Live, Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, the modern nightmare, Muff, Fires, and the Big Swing. I think that's, that's more you. than you. Thanks, thanks, Joe. We love you, man. Thank you. Love you, too. Thanks, man. All right. Joe, uh, Joe Wycoop is our, is our man there. Thank you so much. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, I... Uh, <clears throat> I, I'm so energetic. I don't think I need. I don't, I'm not going to sleep tonight after that, Matthias. Uh, I am definitely going to bed after this. I am exhausted. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, and our, our final guest is with us. So stick with us after these messages, and we will be right back. Stay here. As you know, 89.1 Ken's FM is funded through donations by our listeners and sponsorships from area businesses. If your business would like to sponsor Ken's FM and reach thousands of young adults and college students every day, contact us at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. Any one of us can help you get your sponsorship started. We have many packages available to fit your budget. So contact us today at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com and thanks for listening to 89.1 Ken's FM. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, bringing all the laughs and a little hocus pocus. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the famous acting comedian. He is David Harris. Hey, this is David Harris. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday, live Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM. With your host, the icon, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, the big swing, and the modern nightmare, Matthias. Hey, David. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we got about uh, 23 minutes with you. How are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me and contacting me. I appreciate it. Well, yeah. Uh, you got a little performance coming up in our hometown, don't you? Yeah. Did you say diplomas or shows? No, you you have a performance coming up in our hometown. A performance. I was like, am I graduating? I didn't know if I was graduating again back in college or something. Uh, yeah, though, <laughs> for sure. I got some – I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to be the Front Street Tap Room uh, at their comedy club there in the, in the basement uh, this Friday and Saturday at uh, – this will be my first time headlining there at 9 p.m. I was uh, last in Fargo – a couple of years back for the Fargo Comedy Festival, uh, did a shorter set, but this this time I'll do my full length set, and um, I'm bringing my buddy also who's also from the Twin Cities, Ben Marcotte, very funny guy. He's going to feature. Uh, I'll close the show, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, that's awesome, and uh, they, they can uh, without giving any ticket price, they can get tickets at the door, correct? Yeah, I believe so. I think it's probably best if you if you are interested, just in case, uh, go to frontstreettaproom.com, and uh, you can get them online before the show, just in case. But I think they'll be available potentially at the door as well. Doors open at 8.30, shows at 9. And uh, there's going to be uh, you and two other comedians, or you and another comedian? Well, it'll be me and uh, another comedian, Ben Marcotte from the Twin Cities, and then Oftentimes, uh, I believe that the uh, Front Street Tap Room uh, Underground Comedy Club there, Comedy in the Cellar, will have a local act opening the show, which is always fun, too. So you get to see some people from Fargo do their thing. 
And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're also going to be in the cities for a little tour. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm based in the Twin Cities, but I I'm, I I mean I tra- I get to travel uh, mostly throughout the Upper Midwest, Midwest, and uh, I'm and somewhat beyond too. I mean I do I do all around the country, but I'm oftentimes in the Midwest because I'm based here. Uh, yeah, I'll be at Laugh Camp Comedy Club in St. Paul on Friday and Saturday, uh, September 1st and 2nd. Uh, you can go to Laugh Camp Comedy Club, I believe, dot com for tickets. And then I'm also going to be, that's in St. Paul, downtown St. Paul. And then I'll be in downtown Minneapolis, on the edge of downtown Minneapolis, where it meets the U of M, at Comedy Corner Underground the following weekend, September 8th and 9th. And uh, you can get tickets at ComedyCornerUnderground.com. You can also just get tickets going to my website, David Harris Live, for all of these uh, shows. And just go to the calendar page and pop, it'll, it'll uh, tell you where to get your tickets. You know, and uh, I'm also going to cheat because, uh, you know, you're going to be in our hometown, but I'm going to travel to see. I'm going to come down to see in St. Paul. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, yeah, it's a great club. All these clubs are great. You know, I'm not just saying that because I'm performing at them, but uh, they're they're really good spots, and uh, I've, I've gotten to perform in each one of them um, several times. And uh, um the cool thing is, I mean, they're all kind of more intimate comedy clubs, so you get to really kind of enjoy the show. And that's what comedy is about, though, a lot of times. You know, you're going to see a live show, uh, you know, people, you know, everybody likes to laugh. And so when you can see it live, though, there's something special about it. And uh, each of these clubs kind of provide that. Uh, the club, uh, Comedy Corner Underground, I think the one, well, that won't be the one you're going to, but that one is a comic-run comedy club and has been, running for years and years and years. The one you're going to is uh, attached to a bar in uh, called Camp Bar, but in the back they have the comedy club, special room for that at Last Camp where you'll be going in St. Paul. And I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I want to introduce you to our uh, my co-host here at Matthias. Uh, I'm sure you have some comedy questions, right? Because, uh, you know, uh, a lot of your matches uh, used to have uh, some, a lot of serious uh, overtones. You wish that some of them were more funnier. But uh, what do you got, Matthias? Go ahead. Well, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed APW World Heavyweight Champion, NSE World Tag Team Champion, EWI Epic Champion, BZW World Tag Team Champion, an honorary member of the New World Order, Matthias, welcome on to my part of the program. And obviously no ego. Um, I know, so I, love it. Main- I should have, I feel like, I got to introduce myself that way. I'll be like, uh, I won some awards. Uh, I'm David Harris. <laughs> <laughs> My main question to you would be, do you like, or out of this, would you prefer a more, what what style of comedy do you like to prefer more? Do you like more where it's uh, even more towards the PG, or do you like it Kind of, you know, raunchy with a little bit of cursing, or do you like full-on, like, Rodney Carrington-style stuff? Um, I, you know, I tend to, to go somewhere towards the first two. Uh, I uh, I think I'm on the cleaner end, but it's not, you know, I, I just like to kind of do slice-of-life comedy, you know. Uh, I talk about my family, and uh, I talk about anxiety and work and, you know, relationships. And so that's kind of uh, what I draw into one of the people I saw early on that I really struck a chord with me with their stand-up 
uh, was Ray Romano. I mean, a lot of people are familiar with his, of course, his television show. But he's before that, you know, he was a, and still is a great stand-up comic. And um, you know, I'm Jewish. Uh, he's Italian, but I tend toward, to lean towards the Jewish and Italian comics for the people that I kind of like watching. Sebastian Maniscalco and you know Larry David, although he's more of a uh, sketch comedy, of course. And um, but yeah, I tend to. Uh, that's what I kind of lean towards. I, I just like to connect with people about their day to day lives and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm probably not, I'm not, not your super edgy comic, but I do find a, I like enjoying, you know, like to uh, do that kind of humor. And I like to interact with the, with the crowd in a lighthearted way um, during the show, uh, throughout uh, the show at times. Well, perfect. You kind of just uh, moved into my next question here. What, what are you, what are your opinions on crowd work? Is there such thing as too much or do you like it where you get to kind of do it off the cuff with the crowd? That's a great question. Um, I I tend to like having, you know, most of the material I do be my material, you know, stuff that I've kind of worked on and stuff. But I do think uh, it's fun to do crowd work as well. Um, it sounds like a really uh, – I should run for office on that answer. But, uh, no, I just feel like, it, it's fun to kind of still make the, the show in the moment and interact with the crowd. But I want the majority of the material to be stuff that I've written uh, because that's kind of why you get into comedy to, you know, you want to express yourself and you want to connect with people and on certain subjects and things. And so, uh, you know, that's why you put the time in at open mics over and over over the years because you want to kind of build that. But, you know, I like doing crowd work as well. So I kind of would say for me, I'm a little bit of a mix, but I tend to lean towards material um, probably, you know, 70-30 maybe, you know. Okay. And then my last question to you would be, have you had any serious hecklers? And if you have, uh, what is one of your preferred <laughs> methods to deal with them? <laughs> well, I just uh, – I bring a gun. No, I uh, – <laughs> no, I uh, – <laughs> Uh, don't bring a gun. Uh, I tend to, uh, you know, I I have had hecklers. Every comic has hecklers. Uh, it's 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 hard, especially when you first start comedy. It's hard. I think a lot of people uh, that come to the show just want to have a good time, and I think hecklers are there sometimes. They just want to be part of the show and they think they're helping, you know. And really, that's not what stand-up's about. It's about, you know, just kind of enjoying what the comedians. Uh, doing and having to say and, and uh, you know, and keeping it lighthearted and fun for everybody. I think sometimes also people get drunk and they'll be, you know, heckling. But uh, I think there, there's a difference, too, between interacting with the crowd when we talk to the crowd versus the crowd just piping up on their own. But it's, it's I wouldn't say it super often, and heckler is a strong word sometimes because sometimes people are just responding you know, but if they're really causing a disruption for the show, I think the club should give that person a warning and ideally, and uh, then, you know, kick them out after, because most people are just there to hear the comedian, um, not to be egotistical about it. <laughs> but uh, I, as far as, I don't know if I answered your question, how do I deal with it? A lot of times I'll just ignore that. Uh, sometimes I'll interact with person and let them have their word. If, if And, a lot of times it's just something quick, but if you give them too much rope, then it can be a problem throughout the show, you know, and then um, throughout the rest of the show. But 
I think each circumstance sort of, it just depends on what, you know, what kind of heckle it is, you know? Fair enough. I, I don't know if that, I don't know if that answered your question, but. Well, you know, your, your career, uh, David has spanned 20 years. Uh, when you think about it, your career isn't even old enough to have a beer yet. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because first of all, I'm not a big drinker. I'm I'm an eater, but uh, the nice thing about it is, uh, but I am older because I actually started, uh, as you kind of alluded to in your intro, I started as a magician when I was very young, like, you know, 13, 14 years old doing kids parties. And that led to like corporate events where I could entertain adults. And I, you know, I always had jokes in my act, and sometimes my act was a joke, but uh, I liked to, but then about halfway through college, I decided I really wanted to move towards stand-up. That's what get, your parents getting a divorce will cause you to, to write some more jokes. So I tend to, uh, I tend to the lean towards, towards doing uh, stand-up, and that's kind of where it went from there. And so uh, now, I, I, I mean, I feel like I've been doing this a long time. Um, I've been doing stand-up for about 15 years, but I've been performing for almost 30 now because I'm 45, and I'm now I'm starting to feel old. <laughs> well, now have you uh, uh, in your in your career have you ever did you ever perform at the comedy club we used to have near here called Courtney's? Yeah, you know it's funny. I did that club once before it closed, and uh, I was I think I, I was featuring. I was the which was the middle act, you know, in stand-up. I was the middle act for. Johnny Beaner, who was on uh, Letterman, and I think that was one of their last shows they had, uh, which was a cool little second to last. Okay, all right, thank you. (laughs) Second to someone's got their numbers right, Uh, but yeah, um, and that was a fun club though. That was a cool little space for stand up. We we do, we do miss it. We do miss it. As a matter of fact. That's where I first met you. I don't know if you're well. You probably well. You might remember me, but I was always the guy that used to go to the uh, Courtney's, and I always used to be the guy that used to sit in the front table all the time. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. I, I honestly, I, maybe if I saw you, I might remember. Uh, but I, I, uh, I was probably just happy to be there because <laughs> it was. I had got finally gotten into working there, and. Um, it was a cool little space for uh, for comedy, and uh, I think it was around forever, wasn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, for for many many years, like like twenty years or something like that. Uh, is, you know, you probably wouldn't recognize me now because back then I weighed four hundred twenty pounds, and I was producing the Ben and Jim show. As a matter of fact, I think you may have been in the studio with us because we always used to have all the comedians that yes, uh, used yes, to yes, Gordy. Yes, yes, I was the producer. God, God, honest truth. You know, sometimes you do a radio and the guys like don't let you in. You guys are almost too generous today. But like when I went and did that radio, it was such a fun back and forth. I remember that because I, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm. This is what I do full time. But you know, you don't always do it radio for every show. And so you know, when you do do it, uh, I remember when it was fun, and that was one of the cool things about your studio i remember that i do remember I, I i have to i don't know if i remember what you look like but i remember doing radio there i was i was the ugly one. Oh, now i do now i know okay <laughs> uh david harris our guest here we got uh well we got about uh, 10 minutes here left with david and uh then uh, we'll let you go uh now let me ask you this 
you know, I don't know if you, if you, uh, you know, at the end of the show, you know, uh, you, you seem like a pretty generous, nice guy. Do you like to uh, hang out and talk to everybody, or do you just like to go back to your room at the end of a show? Don't talk to me, ever, okay? I don't even like this right now. No, I love oh, okay. it. I love talking. I, I love talking to people. I really do. I mean, I, I think starting as a magician, you kind of are a people person, you know, like interacting with people. That was fun. And that was my way to do it when I felt, I think, as a kid, when I felt socially awkward. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm just doing a trick. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fun. I, I really do like talking with the crowd, and I like talking to people after. And, um, yeah, it's great. I mean, I just hope people – uh, people come to the show and ha- have some laughs and yeah, stick around. I don't, I don't have, I don't even sell anything. I mean, I just sell myself, but other than that, you know, nothing. You don't have any shirts or CDs or anything like that. Yeah. I don't have shirts or CDs. Just give me your money. You know, just give me your cash. Um, hundred dollar bills, preferable. And, uh, you know, we'll have fun, but no, no, I have a mailing list and I help people, you know, connect with me on social media if they like what I do. And uh, that's kind of the main thing I'm focused on. I should, I should one of these days get some merch, but I'm, I'm lazy when it came to that. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I used to do stand-up comedy and I had to quit because they told me to sit down. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I actually thought about uh, putting out a CD. And, uh, you, know, you know why I did not put out a CD? Because it probably would have went aluminum. <laughs> I don't know if I like that or the sound effect better. I have to, I have to decide here. My well, my uh, well, my, my dad my dad my dad would make a joke growing up. He'd be like, David, when's the you know one of these dad jokes? When's the door not a door? I'm like, when? When it's a jar, doop And then he'd do a sound effect like that. I'm like, don't do the be doop Like, don't do that around me. It's weird. <laughs> I don't like it. And now, well, you and know, now, and now this. Your sound effect reminds me. <laughs> reminds me of that. Well, you know, um, you know, see, one thing you might remember about when uh, you were appearing in the studio with us, uh, the guys used to have me uh, crack jokes, and I do believe you did like one of my jokes, uh, only one of them. I said, what do you call a cow with no, uh, no legs? It's ground beef. And uh, that was the only joke I said that you liked. And then if you remember, the guys would always play that, they would play that cricket sounder every time I would crack a joke. <laughs> that that's got a, after a while got a wear on you. If I heard that during my show, or if I heard beep doop, I I would probably just leave. I would leave the leave and, the stage. Right, and I think and uh, and I'm uh, this is this is your time, not mine. And I think the other joke that you liked is when I said, "Where do bees use the restroom at the BP station?" <laughs> I I don't I don't not I do not remember that but that's a good one that's a good one to have in your pocket I remember guys who was talking about uh, fast food though before when we when we before you went into interviewing me someone was talking about oh, fast food oh yeah I yeah I remember that was um, who was that uh, yeah that was a guest I booked he uh, he was uh, uh, one of the cooks on uh, on TV and he was talking about. Uh, how to make a hamburger like a really big hamburger. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David, yeah. David Harrison, I guess, here. we got about uh, five minutes here with uh, David. So uh, if so, we don't forget this. If our fans want to check you out and see, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? 
Yeah, and I'm also on the dark web. Find me there. Um, no, if you uh, if you if you check out David Harris Live, whether it's the website or any of the social medias, that's my handle across the board. David Harris Live. Uh, and when I die, an S is going to appear after my name, and people will be like, "Wait, is he alive or not?" And that's going to be my greatest magic trick ever. They're going to be like, "David Harris lives." You know, Wait, uh, well, you know, uh, you know, you you don't do re- really much magic anymore, do you? You used to do comedy magic, really, but you don't really do much magic anymore, do you? That's right. That's right. I, I don't. I don't. But I, I like. I uh, uh, unless they pay me at a corporate event a lot of money, then I'll do it. I'll sell out. Well, yeah. I don't care. Well, you know, the reason why I was going to – I wanted to ask a little bit. we we got about four minutes here left with you. Uh, you know, were uh, you doing magic uh, when the uh, Masked Magician was coming out? And if you were, uh, yeah. what was your thought on that? Well, no one – no magician likes when that happens, uh, you know. But the thing is there are multiple methods to do magic. And so hopefully when you see someone that does it well, you still won't be able to figure it out, you know. I mean, of course there's always – possible like oh i could go to the internet or i could to see if there might be a way to figure it out but a lot of times there's different methods and so hopefully the person that's uh doing it will still be able to trick you and the goal is really the experience you know you really want to experience magic if you're going to watch it uh you know the it's i mean i guess people like to figure it out but the best magicians i think make you just part of uh enjoying the experience rather than wanting to uh, trick you, you know what I mean? That you just kind of they want you to enjoy it rather than you trying to figure it out. And I, I think comedy you know, is similar in that way. You know, like we, like like you know, if you talk about hecklers and stuff, just let the show happen. I think for people, and uh, they're they're going to have a, a much better time. Uh, and because you know, the, you know, if you can buy in for the hour and a half, suspend your disbelief, you know, connect with the performer, whether it's music or magic or comedy or whatever. I think that's the that's kind of the goal. You know, and this might be kind of nil at this point, but uh, for those of you who go to our Facebook page, uh, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, like that. Go to 89.1 Ken's FM, bench like that. Do a $10 month donation to Power the Tower. Uh, we'll get you qualified to win an autographed picture from past guests, current guests, and future guests. Now, I noticed that, uh, David, you don't. You said you don't do any merchandise. So uh, would you be able to do, like, maybe, like, one or two autographs on, like, an index card or something for us? Oh, sure, sure, whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, I do have – I can – find a headshot somewhere uh yeah right. uh, absolutely or a little promo yeah i'd love to. i mean i'd be honored <laughs> and, and i know i'm probably asking for the world here and i'll understand if you hang up now but uh when uh, you're in the cities and i, I uh, will keep my clothes, wife, uh, clothes on i keep my clothes on okay Sorry, what? Well, well no when uh, uh i come down to see you in the cities uh, and i bring my wife but uh, you think you, uh, we might be able to hang out Oh sure, absolutely. We can hang out either uh, after you know after one of the shows. Which night are you going to come? Probably Friday night because uh, the uh, Bison football game is on Saturday. In that case, no, we're not hanging out. Of course, okay. of course. All right. Yeah, I'll be. We can go hang out up at the bar upstairs after. Sounds good, man. I, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. No, and uh, it'd be great to real quick. It'd be great to meet you again. Even though it sounds like I think we have we sort of met in the past. Right. So we only have a few minutes here. Real quick here, let us know uh, where you'll be performing at uh, this weekend and next weekend. All right. Uh, so this weekend I'm going to be at uh, Front Street Tap Room in Fargo. Uh, it's a great comedy club. They bring in a lot of amazing acts, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. We have two shows, one on Friday, one on Saturday, August 25th and 26th. 
at 9 p.m. You can go to frontstreettaproom.com for tickets. And then uh, the following weekend, I'll be at Laugh Camp Comedy Club in downtown St. Paul in the Twin Cities on September 1st and 2nd. Uh, you can go to laughcampcomedyclub.com, I believe, uh, or davidharrislive.com for tickets. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, did David, that, you're sound, awesome. Did that, did that sound professional? Yes, it did. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad that I was able to have you on with us tonight. I appreciate you coming in. And uh, I no, can't wait pleasure. to uh, tell with you again and introduce you to my, my, my wife. I, I'd love to. This isn't like a threesome thing, though. No, 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 no. Uh, okay. I get we, we can talk about that off air. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, this has uh, uh, been a lot of fun. I, I hope I didn't talk to you guys' ears off. And uh, thanks again for having me. Thanks, David. We love you, man. Take care. Love you guys. Thanks. All right. David Harris, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, uh, Matthias, that was uh, kind of a fun one, huh? Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I uh, actually I, I've seen uh, David a couple times, and uh, I can't wait to see him again. Uh, unfortunately, I can't see him this weekend, so i got to actually travel out of state to see him uh, in uh, St. Paul. But it should be really fun. Uh, so let's kind of uh, catch everybody up on what uh, we got coming uh, up from in the next uh, couple weeks here. Uh, we have a big show next week. Uh, uh, Labor Day Monday we will not be on uh, the air because uh, I will be out of town, obviously. But uh, September 11th, you know who we're going to have on with us? Uh, yeah, you, you said it last week. Bozo the Clown, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, get your questions ready and uh, – uh, get your face paint, your red noses, everything. Uh, we're going to have uh, Bozo the Con on with us, and I cannot wait. It's going to be so awesome. And uh, I do believe that you'll be back with us next week, right? Uh, if anything changes, I'll let you know. Otherwise, yeah, I'll plan to be here. And, uh, you know, like I say, it's it's sad that, uh, you know, we only got a couple minutes before our theme song hits, but... Uh, it's really sad that Granny is no longer going to be with. Uh, I, she, she hasn't. I don't think she's left the show completely, but I know that she'll be off for a while. You know, we we talked about this, and uh, we we love Granny very much, and we are going to miss Granny. Um, however, uh, I think you and I can take it. Yeah, like like I said, she'll be she'll be missed as a co-host, and I mean, you know, sometimes life gets in the way, and you really gotta you really gotta take that by the horns. And if it, you know, if something serious goes down, like for instance with my knee, if I've got to take off time, I can, I have to because of my knee. Or if family things comes up, family always comes first. So you know, you never you never know what happens. Uh, whatever life will throw at you, you just gotta take it. You gotta take it by the horns, and you gotta you gotta do what's best, and you gotta do what what comes first. So. Well, you know, but I think even if you can't make it to the studio, you'll at least call in and uh, try and be part. Oh, I'll I'll try my best, and if I absolutely can't, I'll let you know. But it, but if I can, then I'll, I'll most certainly uh, try to either get down here or to um, or make a phone call. Awesome. Well, we got about uh, 30 seconds left before our music hits. So, uh, with that being said, uh, remember it's not goodbye; it's just good night. Uh, we'll see you next Monday night here on 89.1 Kens FM, 9 p.m. 7 p.m. Time. Uh, until then, love each other, care for each other, be safe. Come join us next week. As always, we love you. We cherish you. Come back next week. We'll see you then.